Welcome to the Healthy Returns Podcast, where I sit down with founders, investors, and executives innovating in health tech, fitness and wellness, and human performance. My guest today is Dr. Ryan Green, founding member and managing partner of Monarch Athletic Club. Monarch is incorporating medically driven services such as physical therapy, personal training, and preventive medicine into a boutique wellness club experience. In today's episode, we discuss decision-making for sustaining a high quality of life, saving money by investing in health, and the differences in an osteopathic versus allopathic medical education. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Dr. Green. Um, in your background, you've spent time both on the osteopathic side and allopathic side of medicine, and how yeah. have the two paths informed each other? So when I was uh, a graduate student, uh, I did uh, a master's in exercise physiology, immunology, and human nutrition. So I was um, focusing on how movement impacts our immune system and then how in certain situations nutrition as well as movement impacts immune system function. Um, and my thesis was primarily around uh, mild traumatic brain injury. So um, we didn't do as, as much with nutrition and that, but I got a lot of the, the sports science, the exercise science. Um, and one day we had a lecturer come in as a part of a class who was a, an osteopathic physician and just kind of talked about everything that was included in the field, why it applies to sports medicine and exercise physiology. And um, when I was thinking about that initial step in my journey, um, the opportunity to learn more in terms of the manual and, and manipulative therapies, similar to what a physical therapist could do or a chiropractor could do, I felt like that seemed as though I would get greater depth and anatomical knowledge than maybe going the MD route because I'd never heard of anything like that on that side. Sure. Um, back when I went to medical school, there was still a, a decent amount of bias between the MD and the, the DO world. Um, and uh, you know, there's, there's some rationale for it. If uh, primarily just like looking at scores based on, students that got into one program versus the other. But um, I'm fortunate that one of my best friends was already at the school I ended up attending in Denver called Rocky Vista University. And um, he loved it. And he's just like, we're getting the best quality education. You know, the faculty here is 100% um, in alignment that the only way the school continues to look good is if we get, you know, high quality scores and residency placement. So, um, that in addition to growing up in the Midwest and then going out and visiting Denver, I was like, all right, this environment seems, seems definitely a place that I want to be. Um, so ultimately that's what led me to the DO side was a little bit more of a well-rounded people call it holistic. Um, when I think of holistic, I'm thinking more like 360 approach versus holistic in the sense of you're thinking about Eastern versus Western medicine. Um, but then when I, uh, was going through school, I, I always, knew that I wanted to become a surgeon. Um, and I'm fortunate that my mentor in medical school trained at Dartmouth, where I ended up doing my residency, which is considered the quote unquote allopathic route. Um, interestingly, though, the department had at that time was a DO spine surgeon. So I felt like, all right, if any place is going to understand me and my education and how I think like Dartmouth is going to be the place to be. Um, and it was great. I have no complaints at all about that. I think what people fail to realize is, especially if you if you want to maintain kind of that 
hands-on treatment approach that a lot of DOs may go into the field you know, hoping that they're able to develop and maintain. In, in residency training programs, there's just so much to learn and so much to do. And especially if you're in a surgical specialty, like you don't really have time to continue to practice and maintain a high level of um, practice sure. with those treatments and those techniques. And so I basically was just like, all right, you know, that skill set's going to be put to the side for now. Maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe I won't. But ultimately, the way that I train and the way that I approach patients, the human body, understanding that the system is a, you know, a, a well-integrated unit, um, arteries are the river of life. If you're not getting good blood flow to areas, you're not going to maintain a high level of health. Um, served me well in terms of how I approached patients and ultimately is definitely the foundation that allowed us to develop Monarch and its approach. Um, ultimately, you know, I think for me, looking at the traditional medical system and appreciating that people that are really smart physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, people like that, were kind of sequestered into these facilities that you as the, you know, general, uh, population member don't want to go to, like, no one likes going to the hospital. It's usually means things have gone terribly wrong. And that's where I had this kind of crisis of conscience in the sense that I'm like, people want to talk about what can I do to stay out of here? What can I eat to help me lose weight, feel better, function better, not develop certain diseases. And you don't really have time to talk about it in a traditional system. So that's where I started to feel like maybe this isn't the place for me. But for anyone who's listening, who's going into med school and med school and residency, like you'll understand that the analogy I use is like, it's you're on the highway and there's only certain off ramps. You can't just drive off the road whenever you want. And what I mean by that is like, once you're in, you're either going to do internal medicine, emergency medicine, peds, family, surgery, whatever. If you wanted to create an integrative preventive, you know, medical practice, like what we're doing here with Monarch, like that just doesn't exist yet. It doesn't mean that it won't, but ultimately you have to go through the traditional training program. And then at that point, if you want to branch out, you can, but you know, there's risk and, um, you know, a lot of people end up just working in a clinic or a hospital system. And, you know, I think the data is pretty clear that a lot of people are burning out and it's happening faster and, uh, uh, sooner than people would like in terms of hoping that they will have a long and illustrious career. So the whole medical establishment is changing. I think uh, to kind of like wrap up your question, I'm grateful that I got the osteopathic education because I do feel like with the, the additional 200 hours or whatever of what we had to learn in terms of the manual therapy techniques, I learned a lot more about listening to the body and understanding that like the answers are are in us the body doesn't lie it's not going to make things up what's there is there what's not is not how do we acquire the information that we as practitioners need well labs are helpful conversations with patients are helpful but being able to understand like how to feel tissue and and appreciate the signals that the body is giving us maybe not verbally or from a objective data standpoint, but from a feel, I think definitely helped me um, kind of add ways to think about problems differently. Um, and you know, now it's it's part of what we do here with Monarch.
company, thinking about even the narrative of preventative care, preventative health, um, you know, health and wellness. Those are even more buzzwords that you hear in the consumer health market, right? With all these different sure. biometric wearables and um, nutrition supplements and what have you, and you know, even gym equipment. Um, and, you know, I find it so cool that Monarch is kind of in my head, you know, and what I know about Monarch is that it's an integration of both, right? Like almost that consumer health side and traditional healthcare. And I think that narrative is so important that you're shining a light on personal training, on nutrition, on metabolic health. And that light is through medicine, right? Through traditional medicine, you know, having, um, you know, board certified doctors on the team. I don't think that there's any denying that integrating everything into one, right, with traditional healthcare and just health and wellness on the consumer. And I think that's that's a really cool concept and a really cool model. Thank you. Yeah, I, the, the way that I think about it and the way we designed it is um, you kind of hit the nail on the head, which is if I was to query you and said, hey, like, you need to do something healthy every day. Like, what is that? What does that look like? I would hypothesize that the majority of people would say exercise, which is true, right? Exercise, great. Yeah. Tons of benefits. That being said, how you eat, how you sleep, how you're hydrating, what your body's telling you, the metabolic aspect are all important metrics too. And they have to be uh, included in anyone's program if we're going to truly improve health span, improve longevity, um, optimize, quote unquote, you know, yep. your life. You can't out exercise lack of sleep, stress, you know, poor thyroid function, poor testosterone output. Like you can't outdo that. And I think we've created a world where fitness equals health. And then the fitness practitioners, trainers, and things like that have to become like the de facto physiotherapist, mental health therapist, doctor, nutritionist. And there may be some that are well-versed in many of those things. Um, but I think a lot of them are just put in that position because they know a lot about exercise. Absolutely. And so what we wanted to do to use the analogy, like a symphony is like, I don't need my trumpet player being a trombone player. Like I just need my trumpet player being really good at his instrument. And then when he recognizes like this part isn't for me, we're able to point them in the direction of like, this is the person that knows what, how this part is supposed to, to play. What we've done is said, okay, like we have all the pieces of a basic, you know, foundational health program and they're all in one space communicating in real time. So balls don't get dropped very often. So for the end user, now they get that full symphony experience in one place. And it's not like they have to go from place to place to hear part and part, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, like, if you went to a restaurant and you're just like, this restaurant only serves appetizers, you got to go there for main entrees. People would be like, this sucks. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go wherever I can get everything in one place. So that's kind of the mentality that we took in our approach. And, um, I think collectively it's helped everyone, trainers, physios, nutritionists, medical team to learn and become more well-rounded because they understand where the other areas of our program are strong, where they are not. And then we can also learn from each other because I exercise quite often, but I don't necessarily understand the principles of progressive overload or how to lateralize based on my capacity and, you know, 
um, manipulating movement like a certified strength and conditioning coach would. I may think I do because I exercise a lot, but I, I truly don't. And same thing with physical therapists. Like our physical therapy team is incredible um, because they're all trainers as well, certified strength and conditioning coaches. But like their their knowledge of anatomy and how to navigate pain and you know things like that is incredible. And we've seen people who are basically one step into the operating room be able to like reassess and then treat and ultimately overcome things that they previously thought were going to have to be managed surgically, which in some cases is needed, but in a lot of cases it, it's not necessarily. They just haven't had the appropriate rehabilitation education you know guidance and so we've seen some really cool stuff happen uh, we just happened to have wrapped it in a way that feels like you're going into a higher end wellness club which you know again is something that we have to appreciate where people are going to spend their money and time are on the things that they think are going to promote their quality of life right now you know as i mentioned if you queried 100 people, I bet 99 would say exercise is probably something that's going to be helpful for me. So we wanted to make sure that the movement part was a, a foundational aspect of we off that we offer. We've just built into the member journey, the metabolic check-ins, the medical check-ins quarterly, you know, adding in evidence-based validated metrics that we know are associated with them, you know, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease like VO2 max, um, you know, like you may or may not know, but grip strength is directly correlated with longevity. So like we're testing people on things that we can show them why this is important. And the other aspect of what we're doing that people who are listening will probably resonate with is like, if you do have to go see a healthcare practitioner, getting in is difficult. Cost is usually not insignificant and time like being able to sit down and talk through things in a way that's meaningful for the the patient to understand is hard to come by and you know when you have a club atmosphere like we do where you can speak with trainer physio medical professional nutritionist for an hour about whatever you want whenever you want like that's how we can get to the you know the root of a lot of these issues or you know at least uh, help people understand why what we are doing matters to them. And ultimately, if people just understand, they're more likely to adhere and be consistent and compliant with what we're doing. So it's, um, it's a part of medicine that's kind of disappeared, which is that interpersonal aspect. And Harvard actually produced uh, results of an 80-year longitudinal study uh, a few weeks or a month ago that looked at determinants uh, that are associated with longer, higher quality existence. And the number one determinant uh, was not avoidance of disease. It was um, quality of relationships, connection. So um, I think we've done really well, whether we intended to or not, creating community mm -hmm. and connection. And when people know they are cared for at a deeper level than just you're here because your insurance company says this is where you had to go. I think we have a higher likelihood of achieving beneficial outcomes. Yeah. The, the Harvard happiness study that's uh, I'm familiar with that. And that's, yeah. that's a, that's a really cool one. And um, yeah, sur surprising, but not at the same time uh, alarming in a way as well. Just the fact that, you know, 
even even you know since before the pandemic um this you know hyper industrialized society that we've we've come to know uh it's it doesn't really it doesn't really promote community and togetherness and that's you know that's something that integrating into medicine i think is really valuable um you know i, I love what you said about you know kind of when a member enters your club they have you know they're able to experience this symphony of um health just wondering if let's say i was a member walking into the club for the first time what are maybe a couple of things that i'd be experiencing what what does that look like for me yeah that's a great question so every member's onboarding journey follows the same same course so you're going to meet with the medical team we're doing health history going through any supplements or medications that you take goal setting what do you want to achieve why are you here what brought you to us um we do a pretty in-depth body composition analysis not because you know we're aesthetically driven and i just care about driving your body fat down to the lowest level possible we're more helping people understand like why is muscle mass important why is strength important how do those correlate with stability and preventing fragility as you get older um and then we do blood work so we're doing a pretty comprehensive panel everything that you'd get in a traditional primary care visit or a physical in addition to some newer markers as as well as you know hormones and other markers of inflammation that you're just you're not going to get in your traditional primary care visit because all those things matter so um that's step one and once we go through all those things and help people understand what's your body telling you especially from the metabolic standpoint and in, in california and probably elsewhere like helping people understand like why are you taking these supplements who told you to do it why are you taking it yeah. does it work have you noticed any improvement is it <clears throat> potentially impacting your body negatively and helping people kind of pare down the way we approach it is you know the answer is always simple so less is more to a degree and sometimes we we overcomplicate and potentially harm ourselves by trying to do too many good things which in actuality may be a bad thing mm -hmm. so that's a that's a very uh eye-opening discussion for a lot of our members following the medical intake they all any member will go see our physical therapy team and depending on their injury history um our pt team does a lot in terms of looking at mobility function range of motion strength uh at every joint um specifically honing in on areas where people may have issues um because ultimately their input helps our strength and conditioning team understand how we need to approach this individual their goals their plan based on their capacity and so some people come in and think they're ready to go and do high intensity stuff when in actuality they may need to spend a couple of weeks with our physical therapy team to you know rehabilitate from something that they may may not even known has been bothering them or help them understand and develop tools and techniques to maintain high quality movement and then also provide the the strength and conditioning staff guidance in terms of like hey until this person you know is able to achieve this range of motion or whatever we should uh modify certain movements or activities so we don't increase their risk for harm right and i think unlike your traditional fitness concept where you show up you pay your money and you go like the workout is the workout sometimes we have to you know pull people back make things a little bit more remedial with the understanding that the end result will be greater capacity greater strength greater performance but it's hard for some from some people to 
go from, I think I can do everything. I can do group fitness to realizing like, wow, I have some limitations that I need to address. And that's why having this, uh, multidisciplinary approach and, you know, real time communication can be helpful to like, at least try to explain why we do what we're doing and that, you know, your workouts are a little bit less intense initially than you, you may be used to because we're teaching you ways to move appropriately. So you gain capacity so that you can end up doing more for longer. Um, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's a re-education process and, um, you know, some people it's a little bit jarring, but I think they feel more comfortable knowing that their health, their program is monitored from three different approaches, nutrition being the fourth and, uh, ultimately trusting based on our track record that if they stick with it, we know what we're doing and will ultimately lead them to wherever they want to go based on their goals. Yeah. I I love, I love that education piece that you said. I think education, especially in health is, is so empowering and it's, it's really missing from health today, healthcare today, you know, being an, being an athlete and growing up an athlete, I, um, you know, my, my coach back home, he, he always, he shares this philosophy that, the best coaches in the world are those that can leave their students being self-sustainable and right. understanding why they're doing what they're doing. So that when, you know, for me, it's like when, when my coach is not, you know, looking over my shoulder, am I still doing the things that I need to do to improve as an athlete? And the right. same exact thing can be, you know, that same approach can be taken towards health and needs to be taken towards health because, you know, not everyone can see, uh, you know, a doctor or, or get in touch with their phys- primary care doctor every single day. Um, right. so, so, you know, I guess my thinking, you know, when you were taking us through that whole, uh, you know, membership experience, it's that, yes, they are spending more time at the club, but even still, you're more so empowering them so that when they're not at the club, you know, they're still, they still know sure. what the end goal is and they still, they still really know. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason why we, are going to continue to expand and, and open more clubs in as many locations as, as we possibly can, not only in the US, but you know, globally as well, is to your point, most people, when they travel or they're not in their own base, they fall out of their routine and the body loves a routine. Yeah. But you're not gonna stop sleeping, you're not gonna stop eating, but most people may fall off on their hydration program or their nutrition program disappears or their movement program stops for a week or two because I don't know where the gyms are. Like, I don't, you know, like whatever. And that's why we end up seeing people, you know, making progress, regressing and ultimately kind of staying where they're at because that opportunity to get plugged in one and have, you know, monitoring so that we can make progress. But also, like you said, the sustainability of like, what tools am I giving you? How old are you? I'm 21. Nice. Right. So you should have 70 years of life left. Health decisions are going to, to need to be made every single day for the rest of your life. And if you end up making more positive than negative, you'll probably live a long and healthy life. But if you do like 50-50, you're going to end up the traditional American, which will slowly accumulate chronic diseases, most being preventable. And, you know, your quality of life will start to uh, dissipate when you're in your you know late 40s, early 50s. And, you know, for most people, the last 25 to 30 percent of their existence is is pretty uh, unremarkable and or even maybe unenjoyable. 
Yeah. So yeah, like anything that we're talking about with people, the whole goal is eventually you get to this point where we're just maintaining and you have the tools, no matter where you are, what environment you're in to achieve, you know, a high level of success, high quality of life, enjoyment. Like we get a lot of people that want to build muscle, burn fat, like train for something specific, triathlon, whatever. That's great. I also lay out for them, like, I think ultimately what most people want to is to be able to wake up every day and not say, these are the things I can't do because of an injury or a limitation or whatever. But I get to wake up every day and choose what I want to do and know that I will be able to go out and do it with a high level of enjoyment because I'm able to. And if I can give you that opportunity to do what you want to do for as long as you want to do it, that, in my opinion, is like, We've hit a home run. We've offered you high quality of life. Absolutely. Time, age, whatever, like that means nothing to us. Ultimately, we want your day-to-day existence to be as exemplary as it could possibly be. You know, I next want to focus to the, you know, the market that you're currently trying to address in the demographic. So from, Mm -hmm. from what it seems like it's monarch has a sort of you know wellness club feel and Mm -hmm. you know to me that uh, it seems intuitively that that would attract you know one people who already place health as a very high priority in their life and to have the means to invest in in you know invest in that part of their life so yeah and you had also mentioned that you know you have a lot of people who you know who join because they want to complete a specific race or, you know, they want to really get into strength training or whatever it is. So these are already health conscious people, uh, would you say? Sure. So how, how do you guys have plans to, you know, address the market of, as you had mentioned, the, the general American who maybe, you know, exercise, they haven't exercised since they were in their twenties and, you know, they're sedentary for eight to 10 hours a day. Yeah. It's a great question. So, as is the case with any early adoption, any novel technique, approach, technology, whatever, you're right. Like we're basically self-selecting people that have the means to pay for a membership and are also probably somewhat health focused because they see what we're doing and that resonates with them. I grew up in Chicago in the Midwest, like California, LA, and where I grew up might as well be you know, two entirely different universes in terms of how we approach our health. Um, that being said, you are correct in the um, question of how do we get people that are not these early adopters that are not more health focused, longevity focused. Um, and the answer to that is people need a reason why, right? So why do you go to tennis practice you're on scholarship if you don't practice and you don't perform well you lose your scholarship there's your why right with health it's like i said a day-to-day thing it's the entire existence um for everyone and the question is why are people going to show up here and move their body try to eat cleaner get their blood work done like why is that well unfortunately right now the answers are you don't and we get what we get in terms of the general american population or something so serious or radical happens in your life or the life of a loved one that it basically shocks you into oh my goodness i need to do something differently 
right? Does that make sense? You get cancer, you have a heart attack, something like that. We can't wait till everyone has a near terminal experience to hope that they change their behavior. So one of the things that we're doing and the reason why we designed Monarch as a medical facility with amenities underneath that medical umbrella is we're collecting data and we're sitting on mountains of data associated with evidence-based objective health improvement, which is associated with cost, mm -hmm. right? So nine, eight or nine of the top 10 causes of death right now in the United States are lifestyle associated, meaning they're probably preventable. That translates into three and a half to four trillion dollars being spent by us as the collective and our government providing services and care for those conditions. Our approach and what we're doing, not only with the data we collect in the clubs, how much do you move? There's a World Health Organization minimum standard for that 150 minutes a week. Are you developing insulin resistance? Easily measurable. We do that every three months. What's your risk for cardiovascular disease? Same, like easy to gauge. If we can show that a Monarch member, whether it's in person or virtual, and we're building a, a virtual platform so that anyone can, can access what we're doing anywhere. If we can show by <clears throat> at least being compliant with our system, there are real world monetary wins, money savings that affects everyone, right? So to your point of like, yes, our early adopters are the people that are already thinking the way we're thinking, but long-term we believe there's an opportunity to say, hey, your company or you as an individual can become part of this Monarch system. And not only will you get healthier, happier, more productive at work, higher quality existence, but there's a real world monetary opportunity for you to save in terms of spending more just because you're getting older, you can save money, you can spend less. Your insurance provider realizes you're less of a risk than the traditional 65 year old, and they're gonna reward you for doing things that reduce your risk. So kind of like a safe driver discount for car insurance, like you don't crash, you pay a lower rate. It's like that model for health. You maintain minimum standards that we know are correlated with reduced disease incidents, reduced costs. You get part of that reward. And there's a couple of ways that we're thinking about that. But ultimately, our belief is if someone does something so that they can get something meaningful, saving money, getting money back, whatever that looks like, that may be a motivator that's significant enough for people to not only change behavior, but maintain that behavior change, right? Yep. Like you may or may not know this because you don't have to pay for your health insurance, but every year the cost of health insurance goes up for every individual because across your you know age-matched cohort, people tend to get less healthy as they get older and you have to share in that cost. So um, there's there's things that we can do and that we believe with the data we're collecting will allow us to very simply state like this is going to be the most valuable membership or um, uh, service that you have in your life, not only from a, a personal health standpoint, but also from like a community standpoint. If you have healthier people and healthier communities, like there's there's less depression, there's less anxiety, there's less interpersonal turmoil. Because when you're when you're healthy, like people don't fight with each other, they don't argue with each other. Because like you feel good, like what's the point? You know, um, people tend to 
do bad things when they don't feel well and they're just trying to figure out what they can do to make themselves feel better even if it's temporary so we're trying to leverage data and our evidence-based approach to show people like this is why you are going to stick with this program for the rest of your life that's a great way to put it and it almost the way the way you put it there it seems like a no-brainer it seems like a win-win it's a no-brainer um right yeah and you know i I just finished. I, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Dr. Peter Atia. I just, I yeah, just uh, rereading his book Outlive, and something that I heard from you know a podcast that he'd previously done is that when he uh, approaches his patients in the clinic, going back to what you had mentioned about the why, that's the first thing he tries to identify is like their why. Okay, what what are our goals here? Are your goals to, you know, have enough energy to play with your grandkids, or your goals to? Right be able to run a run a 10k in your 70s and 80s you know what right. and i think framing health in that way with a goal is so incredibly important i think athletes oh. almost have like a cop out where for me it's like okay i just focus on you know being the best and healthiest version of myself for my sport but you know that is something i am apprehensive about it's once tennis is over um i i kind of have to find that new why i have to find that new why and okay, I just want my quality life to be as great as possible. I want my relationships to be healthy as possible. So that's something that, um, you know, I, I anticipate myself, you know, battling with, but um, no, you're absolutely right with that. Yeah. And he, in his book, like the, his idea of the centenarian decathlon, which is like, if you want to do certain things physically, as you get older, like, this is the cardiovascular capacity you have to achieve and it's not going to happen if you start when you're in your 50s or 60s like you have to think about these things earlier and earlier so um yeah it's uh it's right now like man we just assume that as we age we're going to lose quality of life and capacity and you know blue zone populations around the world prove that like that doesn't have to happen but i think in in larger societies where a lot of people may not have the resources that certain areas of the world do you have to show people a pathway and also that that reason that gut like visceral like shoot if i don't do this like it's really going to hurt otherwise we're probably just going to continue to perpetuate the same behaviors year on year and probably get worse right like life expectancy is decreasing people are heavier and, and fatter and you know more insulin resistant than ever and you know it's just it's it doesn't have to be that way and you know we really try to approach it from a, a simple mindset which is the non-sexy is really like where you're going to to make your mark and you as an athlete and people that are listening who are athletes understand like it's the it's the practice it's the repetitiveness it's the mundane that you have to do well so that when it's time to shine it's automatic and then you can perform at a high level we just want to show up and assume we're going to be great you know just because we're here and that doesn't happen anyone who's honest with themselves listening to this or otherwise knows like if they've ever done something super well very rarely did they just show up and like they could do it right it took work it took effort it took practice you have to approach your body in that machine the same way that you do anything else. You got to get your reps in, you know, you need your body to function well and, and routine consistency and compliance are super important. And that's, 
one of the things that we've built into our system, which is great. Like you may think you're coming here four to five days a week to work out, but ultimately like you are also going to be guided, educated, reminded why Mm -hmm. your nutrition matters, why paying attention to your thyroid function matters, like all those different things. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know where I heard this analogy, but I think it's applicable and I use it with our patients a lot, which is like in a gold rush, which right now, like prevention, longevity is a gold rush, right? The people that make the most money that do the best are those making the shovels, right? Because everyone's going to try to dig, not everyone's going to find gold. So for us, we're very happy to sit here and be like, yeah, we're not developing any new technology that's going to monitor your sleep or, you know, you know, uh, velocity associated with how you're lifting or moving. But we're going to make sure you damn well sleep better, move yeah. better, hydrate better, and just pay attention to basic things. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, and it, maybe it's because like I'm not as smart as some other people in the medical space. So, like, my brain doesn't necessarily think like that. But for me, you know, I'm, I practice what I preach and like I am going to bed trying to around the same time i'm getting up around the same time i'm getting cold exposure and light exposure in the morning i'm drinking you know four liters of water per day based on my body weight you know, exercise and try to strength train you know as often as i am able which ends up being usually like five or six days a week i'm doing something to get my heart rate up um so yeah like the other part that from the medical side, I think is, is unfortunate is if you were to go into most medical practitioners offices, if you just look at them, very rarely would you look at your health guide and say like, you look very healthy. Most of them look stressed, maybe overweight, like they have substance abuse issues. It's very common in the medical space, dental, medical, and otherwise. So like, if you're trying to gain advice from people that don't look like they're doing it themselves, that's also an issue. And again, why people end up asking their trainer about all this stuff because they tend to look healthier. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of areas that have to be considered. And ultimately I think we've done pretty well, um, creating a, uh, a system and a community that allows people to be successful. So, Dr. Green, thank you for a wonderful conversation. That seems like a, awesome. a great bookend. To, you know, I, I really feel like Monarch is kind of bringing the idea of, you know, movement as medicine, sleep as medicine, uh, food as medicine, and all these ideas that are so important and vital towards, you know, our health and preventative, mm-hmm. preventing chronic disease and bringing it into, you know, the medical mainstream. So good, good luck. Um, if you could, Thanks, you know, just let listeners know quickly like what they can do to to support the cause where they can um go new locations yeah so uh clubs.com is our website at monarch clubs is instagram um we've got west hollywood and brentwood so uh in la open now we have playa vista which is kind of like south la um near manhattan beach opening probably in the next 10 to 12 months. Uh, that's a relatively new addition and a couple more in the pipeline. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're in our area, 
we'll be uh, popping up more clubs. And if you're not in our area and you know people that may be interested, we're always willing to have conversations on, on how we can expand this movement to, to other places or anywhere around the U.S. or the world. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Dr. Green. Thanks for the time.